The Legal Corner Podcast Series. Welcome to today's episode of The Legal Corner, a podcast which covers a variety of legal issues to keep you informed. Hosted by attorney at law Colin Dinoon and communication specialist Leonardo Torres. It's good to be back with you on the Legal Corner podcast series. Leonardo isn't here today, but he should be joining us on our next episode. In, in today's episode, we'll be looking at formulating an estate plan. Now, many persons in the Caribbean region, where we are recording from, do not have a will or any sort of estate plan. However, this episode is designed to provide you with some food for thought in this regard to enable you to make wise decisions as it relates to the welfare of your loved ones after you are no longer around. Joining me on the show to provide some perspective on this is Mr. Zach Anderson, Esquire. Now, Mr. Zach Anderson is based in the U.S. state of Alabama. He practices in this area of estate law, uh, estate planning. He is actively posts on LinkedIn, and that's actually where I met him and I invited him on to the podcast and he graciously accepted. So welcome to the uh, Legal Corner. Today, Zach, how are you doing? I'm quite well, Colin. So happy to be on the show. I I listened to uh, many of uh, the episodes of your show, really love it, and happy to be on and speaking with you. How's the weather in Alabama today? It's better today. Uh, the weather in Alabama is very uh, variant. Uh, it can rain. It can snow a little bit. It can get cold. Um, and then in the summer, it's just really hot. So uh, January and February are rainy and cold, but spring is pretty close, not far away. Right. So I'm, I'm, look, I'm sure you're looking forward to that, right? We sure are. I'd, um, I'd love to vacation uh, down in uh Trinidad and Tobago. In Trinidad and the Caribbean. Well, you're most welcome. And let me get this out of the way one time. I love your accent. Okay, I have to say that. I definitely love your accent. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's so, uh, same to you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, tell us what are the elements of an estate plan? Sure. So the elements of a good estate plan are really going to be similar across jurisdictional boundaries. Obviously, I'm uh, a lawyer in the United States, um, and you are a lawyer uh, down in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, but the elements of an estate plan are going to be similar. And Colin, I break it down into four kind of main pillars um, that a good estate plan will have. And the first is to take care of yourself when you can't take care of yourself, okay, that's the first pillar. And when we're talking about that, we're talking about incapacity. The will is probated upon your death. Until you pass away while you're alive, the will doesn't mean anything in the U.S. A power of attorney, uh, a trust, something like that would help those around you speak, sign, and act for you if you can't speak, sign, or act for yourself. You can have a season of incapacity. You can have an extended incapacity, something like Alzheimer's or dementia. You can live many years with 
something like that that uh, is absolutely a, an incapacity. And you need to have the documents in place to allow somebody to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. The second pillar, in my opinion, is protecting minor children. And the laws may be different in this respect across uh, different states and countries, but that is a pillar that uh, really needs to be paid attention to if you have children that are considered minors uh, by your state. The third, I would say ensuring family harmony would be the third pillar, and there's plenty of ways to do that uh, in each jurisdiction. And then fourth, I would say protecting your wealth, asset protection. There's all kinds of different techniques to protect your assets, either while you're alive or after you've passed away and given them to your heirs or beneficiaries. So I would say really, in conclusion, the four main pillars of a good estate plan is taking care of you when you can't take care of yourself, protecting minor children if you have minor children or if you have guardianship over minor children, ensuring family harmony, and then finally protecting the wealth that you either have or are going to pass on. Okay, now what mistakes do persons normally uh, make when they're formulating an estate plan? That's a great question, and that's an area that both legal practitioners and clients, every uh, citizen of the globe can both think about, because I see, and you probably do too, practitioners uh, mess up as well. And I think the three biggest things um, that happen in terms of mistakes is overlooking real destroyers of wealth. And they're kind of hidden. One is your spouse remarrying after you pass away. That has significant impacts on your estate plan for a variety of reasons that we can go into and you probably can imagine, especially in a, a, a remarriage situation. It's just, it's it's normal. It happens. Um, the second is not paying attention to long-term care costs and how they can really, really financially wreck a middle-class and upper-middle-class family in America. This is the the, the hidden the hidden creditor that nobody thinks about and nobody likes to think about. And I think your estate plan should have a plan for if you have a protracted long-term care event. You know, one quick statistic for you, Colin, is in the United States, if you have an average couple that is, they're both 65, uh, uh, husband and wife are 65 years old, there is a 25% chance that at least one of them will live to be 97. And that has serious impacts on your estate plan because long-term care and end-of-life care is very, very expensive. And as you might imagine, you're probably not earning income uh, to help pay for that care in your 90s. Um, Perhaps some people are, and I admire them. Um, In some ways, you must really love what you do, but chances are you're not making income um, at that stage. And there's a lot of cost and the costs are going up. They're actually outpacing inflation, which is very high as well. Not paying attention to long-term care costs. And then finally, just another smaller one, uh, or excuse me, another one that I won't spend as much time on. It's not smaller necessarily, is a child getting divorced after you pass away. Uh, In the United States, there are laws that it depends on how the assets are used, but 
what I want to avoid for my clients is those assets becoming potentially divisible in a divorce court. All this legacy that you built up, you pass along to one of your children, they get divorced. I don't want the divorcing spouse to get half of that or a third of that or any of that for that matter. So I would say the biggest mistakes are failing to account for the potential remarriage of a spouse, failing to account at all for significant long-term care costs, which can be financially debilitating to families. And third, the possibility that one of your children might get divorced after your death. I think those are the three biggest mistakes people make. Now, other than attorneys like us, who other professionals are involved in this whole arena of estate planning? I, I can think of plenty of examples uh, just off the top of my head. Um, one, you consider a financial advisor, like a money manager, a professional money manager. Oftentimes, that individual has the relationship, has the trust with the client. And I mean trust in terms of I trust you as a person, not trust the the financial uh, legal instrument, of course. That relationship, that relationship might be 30 plus years old, that professional and often personal relationship. I don't have that for someone just walking into my office, you know, that I, I don't know, that I haven't met before. But if we have a financial advisor or a money manager that has the relationship with the client and puts his or her reputation on the line to allow me to help them the client trusts me more. They're more forthcoming. We can talk about their real goals, their real risk tolerance and things like that. Um, the second thing that I would point out is all of these areas are so interrelated. So you think about financial planning, taxes, and estate planning. They're really intertwined. Um, and for some people more than others, uh, the estate tax, for example, is an area that is just as much about accountants, uh, certified public accountants, as, as many of them are called in the U.S., as it is lawyers. Uh, and I, I learned so much from accountants and, and advisors and money managers uh, as well. Uh, so I would say the interrelatedness of just financial planning, tax planning, uh, business planning, things like that, as well as the relationship and trust that the advisor may have with the client are probably the biggest thing. Uh, Non-attorneys play a huge, huge role in this process, more than people realize. Why would you say persons hesitate to take any action to plan their estates? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it gets into human nature, uh, which uh, I am no exception to. Uh, When you've got a career and uh, family uh, obligations, uh, things you want to accomplish, uh, paying attention to your health, you got to feed yourself. I mean, you think about all the things that uh, take up your time, the vast majority of which are incredibly worthwhile. Where does doing estate planning get on that list? You know, it just kind of naturally falls down the list. Um, and it's, it's because there's so many other things that happen. But I will tell you that the vast majority of times, I I would say the vast majority of times when I ask clients at the end of the meeting, I'm just curious, what what made you come see me today? 
it's almost always we're going on a trip overseas or something like that, and we want to prepare for the worst. We just had a family change. Maybe we had a child born. Uh, maybe we got married. Um, maybe we left a marriage. I mean, that that happens and we need to update the plan. Um, or they just went through the death of a loved one. It wasn't a smooth process, and they want to see someone about making sure that their loved ones don't go through what they went through. So it's easy for this to fall down the list, but if you have a good reason, I've found you often find your way to an estate planning professional. Talk to us a bit about intergenerational wealth and uh, the role that estate planning plays in that. Absolutely. This is one of those areas that is very collaborative. Like we mentioned earlier, financial professionals, financial advisors, money managers, uh, tax professionals, these everyone has a role to play in this. And we're seeing a great transfer of wealth in the United States as what we call the baby boomer population uh, begins to get into their 60s and 70s. Um, I've noticed a lot of these guys love what they do and they like working. Uh, but some are beginning to age out of the labor force. And I say age out, many of them simply choose uh, to get out of the labor force and maybe go someplace lovely like Trinidad and Tobago, perhaps. Um, But the transition is happening and it's happening with the labor. It's happening with the management and it makes it a lot more seamless and smooth when we can have a family meeting where we talk about what the estate plan is for incapacity, for after death, who's who's in what role, what are the rules. You know, a trust is in many ways like a box that you put assets into and then you put rules around how those assets can come out. What are those rules? Why did we design the plan that way? When everybody's on the same page, both professionals, accountants, uh, money managers, attorneys, people that run the business, boots on the ground folks, things like that, but also the family. It just makes for a more harmonious uh, transfer of wealth, transfer of resources, and transfer of a family legacy. I've, I've noticed clients are are less worried about, oh, am I, uh, I'd rather pay $2,000 in taxes than, you know, 4000 That's really my, my chief concern. When we talk about, you know, higher net worth folks, they're more concerned with, I want to establish a family legacy. I want to establish a charitable legacy. And that's that's where this comes in. It's it's more than dollars and cents. I mean, that's what assets are. They're valuable. But it's really about the family, too. Speak to the fear persons who may be afraid of, you know, engaging in this type of activity afraid of confronting their own mortality and stuff like that. I think, Colin, I think they're scared of lawyers. I think lawyers have a poor reputation, most of which is deserved. Um, Sometimes we don't behave ourselves. And for whatever reason, we are, we're portrayed in the media in a very interesting fashion. What the media loves to glamorize us, which I assure you is not true. Uh, If you saw what I did from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day, you'd be like, 
oh my goodness, I would do anything but that. Uh, that is not <laughs> what I saw on um, the the TV shows and things like that. So That's we're glamorized, uh, but we we also have um, a, a perception, whether it's fair or foul, might be mostly fair, of we're bulldogs and we're intimidating and we don't listen. And I think if I can get five minutes with someone, my goal is to show you I'm not like that. And really, I think most lawyers are not like that. But that's that's how we're portrayed in the media, and that's fine. We're we're big boys and big girls. We can we can handle uh, we can handle that. I think people are scared of lawyers, and some of that's deserved. But what an opportunity to differentiate yourself and have some some compassion, some interpersonal skills, whatever you want to call it, to be approachable. Because that's when the client will tell you, "Here's my real concern. Here's my real goal." Like I was saying earlier, sometimes it's not all dollars and cents. It's I want to leave a legacy or I'm really worried about long-term care costs or something like that. I want to protect my family's legacy from creditors or whoever. So when you get them to kind of let their guard down, the clients really tell you what's really important to them. You got to build trust fast and it's hard, but it's so worth it. At this point, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back and thank you for staying with us. Uh, Zach, before the break, we were having a nice discussion on the fair and how we lawyers sometimes contribute to persons becoming intimidated to actually visit our offices to begin the process of estate planning. We're going to switch gears a bit now and I want you to talk to us a bit about how often should someone update their estate plan? That's a great question, Colin, and I'm going to give the unfortunate, typical answer from a lawyer of it depends, but I will do much better than that on my full answer. So it does depend. It depends on the individual client, their family, their where their wealth is, what assets they have, what debts they have. And I'll explain that a little bit more. So for example, if someone has a young family and that family gets bigger, because they have another child, it's probably time to at least see your estate planning lawyer. Uh, a family change, of course, is going to necessitate that. You contrast that with someone who is more established in life. Um, let's say they're in their 60s and they don't plan on having any more children or adopting any more children or anything like that. And let's say their assets are mostly um, a retirement account or a series of accounts, and their primary residence, their home. Those are pretty stable assets. They're also relatively protected assets. They're not terribly exposed to creditors in terms of U.S. law, although that's a, a much more full-bodied discussion. Someone like that may not need to see their estate planning lawyer multiple times within a decade. And I apologize, you probably heard a 
vehicle in the background. I am in my office and we do have a street right outside the office. But getting back to the point, um, you contrast a situation like that with, say, someone who owns a business and they have multiple commercial and residential real estate holdings and they have money in other states and they have money in other countries and things like that. They got a beach house um, in another state or another country. That individual, that family probably needs to see their planning attorney once a year to make sure the corporate records of the business are proper, that we're getting proper liability protection from them to make sure that all assets are coordinated with the plan because assets are coming in and out and usually they're growing. Sometimes they're shrinking, but most of the time they're growing. So um, it really depends on the situation. The more stable your family situation, the more stable and straightforward your assets, the less often you need to see your estate planning attorney, in my opinion, the more diverse assets you have, the more business interests you have, and the more family changes you have, quite frankly. That means you probably need to see them more, uh, probably, again, at the top of the spectrum, probably on a yearly basis, but it's going to vary from person to person. What steps can someone take today to get started in the process of estate planning? So uh, I'm going to give a, a better answer than, than you might expect. Um, I would say use all of the resources available to you just to learn more. Um, I do that on the financial side. You know, I'm not a financial planner. I don't file taxes or anything like that. But every chance I get, I try and listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video or even just uh, Googling articles by people who know a lot more than me and know what they're talking about, about different subjects, I would encourage people to do that with estate planning. Uh, watch YouTube videos on trusts, even if you're not a trust lawyer. Uh, there are great resources out there. And as you might imagine, this podcast is one of them. There are so many resources where you can, I don't want to say teach yourself because not everything is do it yourself, but you can at least come in with a level of education where you know what questions to ask. So I love it when a client comes in and says, I've heard about these, uh, a certain type of trust. Let's say it's a, a Medicaid protection trust. And I think that may be right for me, but I'm worried because I have a mortgage on the property or something like that. That that might be actually a little bit too in-depth of an example, but I'm really glad when someone comes to me and says, I've been reading about trusts and I'm not sure whether I need a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust. That's music to my ears because it tells me you, you're taking things seriously. And that's really my ideal client. So I would say use all the free resources you can, podcasts, YouTube videos, um, Google articles, articles you may see on on other sources. And the second thing you could do uh, for your listeners uh, to take the first step is to just ask a trusted person. It may be a financial planner. It may be someone in your community that you play basketball with or you go to religious services with. Just ask them, hey, do you, do you know anything about this? Did you get a professional to help you? So those are two things you could do besides just booking an appointment with an estate planning attorney that I think would put you ahead of the game. Excellent. So this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Colin, I love the show. This has been terrific. Thank you as well. See you down the road. 
thank you for listening to the Legal Corner podcast series. For more information, please visit us at our Facebook or Instagram pages or send your comments to thelegalcornerpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.